0: Inclusive is brought to you by Destination Everywhere, a company dedicated to travelers of all abilities. My name is Eleonora and I'm your host. So a big warm welcome to our guest today, Sarah-Louise Ackrell, um, who Sarah is the founder of uh, Wired Differently, which is a social impact company making products and services for neurodivergent people. And she is connecting today from her home in Gloucestershire uh, in the UK. Sarah, how are you? Welcome. Hi, thank you very much for having me on. So it's great that today we're going to be chatting about you as a traveler, because I know that, you, that you've traveled a lot and you've also traveled during 2020, which is uh, really, really great yeah. <laughs> considering the, the situation. And um, but first of all, I would like to ask you a little bit about, um, about your work, because you're doing lots of interesting projects and you're part of some really interesting committees and, um, and, um, and groups. So what can you tell us about yourself?
1: Okay. Uh, well, I'm very involved in the world of neurodiversity, so I'm diagnosed as being autistic um, and everything I do is connected to neurodiversity. So my company is developing uh, an emotional support app and a um, work orientated clothing range with accessories and also a specialist virtual assistant service for neurodivergent leaders. Um, And alongside that I'm director of Kimmel Foundation which is in Berkshire and that gets 16 to 24 year old uh, young people into employment who are also neurodivergent and I'm a member of the all party parliamentary group for inclusive entrepreneurship which was set up this year and that's really really exciting venture.
0: Great, great. No, no, I, I know you're hyperactive and doing a lot of like super interesting projects. I always see your, your posts on LinkedIn and it's uh Thank you. it's always super interesting. I know, I know, I know LinkedIn is your is your field. It's uh, my
1: playground, I think.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, that that's like but it's everything that you post is like super interesting and um and it was lovely meeting you uh, online. We we haven't met in person yet, um in September when you were in Italy.
1: Yeah, for sure. I'm counting on both hands the amount of people I've met in the last six months who I've not actually met. And then you realize, one day I'm going to realize my entire world is online, like a lot of people.
0: Yeah, but we hope to meet. I mean, you have to come to Brussels. I mean, after you you started your uh, accelerator um, at started KBC, I mean, uh, I know you're doing everything online, but I'm, I'm sure that one day they will have to like force you to come to Brussels to meet them. <laughs>
1: Well, I am a huge fan of Belgium. I genuinely am. I have worked um, in Belgium a bit on sales trips when I was in the hospitality industry, um, and I'm a big fan. And I speak French. Unfortunately, I don't speak Dutch, but I absolutely love the sound of it. And I'm really loving my time at Starter at KBC, and that came about because you told me I should apply. So I really owe that to you. Thank you.
0: Yeah, but I really, I really hope that you actually come to Brussels because we have, uh, we have a beer in uh, waiting there to to be drunk, uh, in a, in a nice terrace outside with the, with the bars open. And when this, uh, situation really calms down with, them,
1: um, I can't wait
0: with the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: can't wait. I love Europe. I miss Europe so much at the moment.
0: Mm. But, um, let's talk about you as a traveler, because this is, um, this is why I, I wanted to invite you because I know you travel a lot and you've traveled for work. You travel for, uh, for holidays and, um, how would you describe yourself uh, what is your travel style and what are the things you look for when you're when you're planning a holiday or or also a work trip uh, what kind of traveler are you
1: Well, um, I've obviously thought about these questions in advance, and that's good. Or you would have had the full autistic brain dump. Um, But I think I'm a loner when I travel. But the irony is I actually travel to places where I really adore the people. It's very much the people that make a place for me. Um, But because of how I am being autistic, um, I like to control my environment. I like to uh, have free reign on how I manage my time um I'm not great with changes of plan. I don't want to be annoying for someone else who's very spontaneous and you know getting away from the day job and going on holiday and they absolutely want to feel free and able to take up opportunities here and there. I don't want to hold anyone back. Um but I am pretty adventurous. Um I've in my own way I've rappelled backwards down uh, waterfalls in Chile and <laughs> I've trekked in the Thai jungle like everyone who's backpacked in Thailand. Um Wow. But I'm not a sporty person. I'm not outdoorsy. I had difficulty, for example, in Australia. I'm I'm very British and bookish and probably a little bit old school. And I, I found that culture quite sort of outdoorsy and it, it didn't really fit me personally. Um although I did like Sydney. But no, I, I think to describe myself as a traveler, I would say I'm I'm a loner, but I love people. Um and I kind of love people watching and I've enjoyed that very much in my favorite places, which are, um, I mean, I'm a huge fan of France. I lived there for 10 years, Um, but I'm a huge fan of Beirut. That's one of my absolute favorite destinations, Lebanese culture and people. Um, I love Greece. Um, I love Italy. Um, And continuing in that theme of sort of um, Eastern Med areas, I'd love to go to Turkey Um, And I think the reasons that I like destinations I liked in Asia, um, for example, I loved China, loved Malaysia. Um, I wasn't actually that keen on Thailand when I first went, but I did read some books that said you might find that you love it when you leave. And I did. I really love it kind of retrospectively. So I'd like to go back. Um, And I, I love anything to do with Indian culture uh afghani pakistani bangladeshi culture i've just yeah sri lanka i really loved but i think that the common theme was the people it's absolutely people that make it for me
0: cool but basically you're describing a series of destinations that are all full full of like um um how can you say unexpected things that can happen all the time i mean i'm thinking well italy first of all it's the the country of uh, you know of 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 <laughs> Uh, accidents, delays. You know, I'm Italian, so always super critical. (laughs) But it's really a country where I I think planning is is sometimes a bit difficult. I mean, yeah, it's a beautiful country, but yeah.
1: (laughs) It's interesting. I used to be PA to the Senior Area Director of Sales at Hilton Worldwide. So we had hotels in north africa and indian ocean and i remember when he interviewed me and we were on our our fourth interview and i said look why have you called me back here do i have this job or not and he kind of said there's something that really bothers me about you and and i was he said there's some real sort of uh uh, there's some real things that don't tie up here there's some inconsistencies you tell me you like routine and you like consistency but on the other hand you go to some very unreassuring places (laughs) yes exactly (laughs) and you mentioned you know some of the places I'd, I'd backpacked in and it's funny I think I think when you're autistic you can actually cope with some quite unusual sets of circumstances and you do tend to be quite patient because everyday stuff is is a bit of a pain um but I think I can control my environment in the sense that um I know when we spoke in the summer, I was saying to you, I love backpacking. I think it just fits with my value system. And it's true, it doesn't technically fit with being autistic. Um, But I can give you some examples of really silly things, actually, that make my life great when I'm traveling. And one of them is going to a hostel. And fortunately, this has become quite common, where you get curtains around your bed. Now, I'm capable of going and staying in a war zone as long as my bunk bed has curtains around it. And I have, you know, a charger for my phone, which gives me constant (laughs) feedback. Um, And I have my favorite books on my Kindle. And it's strange. You sort of seek familiarity, but at the same time, you can be relatively daring. I mean, I've been to destinations which are considered you know luxurious and or relaxing um I was very lucky to go to the Maldives because um I had a partner at the time who was working there and um i was able to stay with him um and it was great to tick it off um but it just wasn't for me um i did like the people although you know you're not all only dealing with Maldivian people in the maldives obviously it's a bit of a melting pot um which is nice but doesn't necessarily hint at the culture i actually learned an awful lot more about the maldives reading some excellent books on the place rather than actually when i was there um but then when we hopped over to Sri Lanka for the weekend, I was just in my element because that was, for me, it was real travelling. Um, it just seemed more real. At, well, it is more real, you know. Um, so, yeah, it, it's funny. I'm, I'm aware that I don't choose, you know, Mallorca or whatever. And not from any point of view other than I just like things to be a bit more convivial, I think. And I definitely like to get you know, under the skin of a culture. Um, and I think also I'm a, I'm a real armchair traveller as well. I will read, I'm a, a big fan of this thing called the Shelter Box Book Club, and I'm not sure if they ship internationally, but um, I get a book every, every month which forces me to read fiction, and they're always set in, or generally set, in developing countries and, and generally a writer that might not be super well-known in the UK. So I've just read a fantastic book, by a Lebanese writer, um, and uh, that was recommended through the book club. So I, I'm a real armchair traveler at the moment, because obviously we're in our third lockdown in the UK, can't go anywhere, um, and I cannot read. Lots of reading. Yeah, lots and lots of reading. Yeah, that's a big passion, but generally there's a travel element to what I read. And
0: what are your um, online sources for planning a trip? Do you have like favorite websites or newsletters that you subscribe to? Oh.
1: That's interesting, actually. I don't think I have a system, particularly. If someone was to say to me now lockdown's over, you know, here's a grand, go and spend it on a trip, what would I do? I'd probably go – I'd probably look for the quirky youth hostels because – it's funny, actually, I call them youth hostels. I'm 42. They're not youth hostels. They're hostels. Um, but I guess you differentiate between different types of hostels. They're, they're, they're tourism hostels, I guess. Um And yeah, I would look at individual quirky hostels um, and book direct. I think having been in hospitality, I try to book direct when I can just so that they avoid those crazy fees. But then you can't hate those websites either because, you know, a a lot of small businesses are getting huge exposure using a lastminute.com or whatever. So, um, but I I don't have a particular way. I would just say I tend to book direct. Uh, Yes, obviously websites and everything are helpful because in the in the old days i suppose you would have used lonely planet and i I love those
0: love travel miss travel right then you should join tabby folk the online community for inclusive travel where you can meet people from all over the world exchange tips ask questions meet locals and um, be the local that they ask questions to also So create your profile on Tabby Folk, it's free and it's a lively and international community that you will love to spend time with. Tabbyfolk.com, the address is in the podcast notes. Enjoy. So if you had a grand, where would you go now? (laughs) Which country? (laughs) which destination
1: your home country is one of my favorites and I was lucky enough to spend two weeks in Sicily uh on a research project last year and I did get to go away with friends who treated me to a week at uh, a villa in uh, Lake Garda which was an amazing experience Oh, beautiful! Don't, don't make a habit of hanging out in villas on Lake Garda I felt very very lucky um <laughs> I definitely miss Italy because uh, everyone says, yeah, of course you're on a research project with all the photos of your food. But my God, my lunch every day was just the highlight. It was just incredible. And the walking in that beautiful sun and Sicily is just stunning. I just loved it. Um, Yeah, I think I'd love to go back to Beirut. Obviously, that is very, very difficult right now. And uh, it was actually, it it was difficult when I went at the time, actually. But that was... That was an interesting lesson going to Beirut because having lived 10 years in France, I consulted the French embassy or consulate and I consulted the British one. And one was saying, absolutely don't go whatever color your passport is. And the other one was saying, you know, pretty much please go. It's a fantastic tourist destination. And, And when I got there, the Lebanese people were saying, will you please tell your friends it's amazing here? And you know, we're a bit of a victim of the world's media, so it, it did give me it <laughs> did, reassure them. Well, yeah, it did give me a sort of other view, you know, because I, I, I am a bit gullible actually. Um, and as long as I'm reading in inverted commas the right newspapers, I do tend to believe what I read, which might not be very healthy. And it's true, you are you are told not to go to certain destinations, and you have <laughs> to ask yourself why sometimes.
0: Oh, I see. I see. But, um, so what would you say in, in your whole life, you traveled so much, but what would you say was your favorite past trip and your least favorite, like the the nightmare? Oh my
1: God. Okay. (laughs) The nightmare one. And I have to give full kudos to my former partner because I was, well, put it this way. I had never felt so autistic as when I arrived in Chile I loved Santiago, absolutely loved it. Really suited me, um, reminded me of Exathia, the, the sort of grungy parts of Athens. And uh, I love places like that, eastern suburbs of Paris, and, and, and the sort of, I love those bits. Um, but Chile as a whole, I, well, I say as a whole, most people go to the north and the south. I did zero research, so I did the middle. My partner and I did the middle. We hadn't really put any research into it. I can't recommend the middle part of Chile particularly. It wasn't massively stimulating. I think knowing I'm neurodivergent, I do need a bit of stimulatory impetus or input rather. Um, And I think I just had too much time to feel in a very sort of underwhelming place and I wasn't coping with my traits because I was this was a long time ago I'm going back about 12 years I didn't even know I was autistic I completely imploded and I was very very poorly in fact I got back from there I hid it from my partner at the time and it was hard I think um for them to hear that actually I'd had a really bad trip because I just felt so ill and I kept it from them um So for personal reasons, Chile was difficult, but Chilean people, amazing, Um, went to a sort of, I think it was a Michelin recommended or Michelin starred restaurant, which was all based on foraging. That was an amazing experience. But personally, it was a bad trip. And I would say that my relationship with travel is very complicated because for much of my life, I didn't know what was wrong with me as it were. Um, And there were benefits of being autistic. There are drawbacks and travel is a very difficult subject for us. Um so Chile definitely would be the oh my god, I need to change my life trip. The things are not right with me. Um, the things I've loved, I loved Athens, I love Greece. Um I'll always have huge love for Paris. I spent so much of my childhood dreaming of it, and as soon as I was old enough, I went and lived there. I loved Beirut very, very much. China very, very lovely memories of the countryside, long train trips in China, something I think about often. That The countryside, the rice paddies, the way that people get on at every stop with hawker food and try and fatten you up, basically, um, because they just always think you should be eating in China. So many trips, actually, which is nice because... I was a bit worried when you invited me to do this that I might think, oh my goodness, I'm not the right person. I found travel so difficult. Oh, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'll be negative. But yeah, I realize I have been to quite a few places. and, And actually, I think I must love travel because if traveling is so difficult for me and I keep doing it, there's, there's got, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Something in (laughs) travel very much. And I think it's, I think it's the people again, I think, you know, same as in Chile, even though it was a very difficult trip for me personally, you'd only have to have a really lovely conversation with someone to feel, oh, for that, for that moment, I'm at home, I feel safe, I feel comfortable, I feel like I like myself. And, 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 People transform those experiences right but I, I'm speaking about Chile. I am very curious now about the Michelin
0: star restaurant where you ate foraging
1: yeah please tell me more uh, <laughs> what is
0: this about
1: I have to have a think where it was actually um and then maybe you could put that in your show notes I don't know um <laughs> I can't think I know that we were on the trip south from Santiago to Chile. And I mean, as I say, we didn't make it to the far north or the far south, which is where everyone goes when they do chili. Um, I will have to find that out. It's a long time ago, but it was memorable because I'd never had a meal that was exclusively foraging. Um, she was a female chef, which not sure how common that is um in Chile, particularly to have a female, um, you know, very high profile chef. So it was yeah, really unique experience. And it was in the middle of nowhere as well. I remember we had to get several buses and walk up some hills and it was it was really, really remote. So, I mean, she must have been entirely relying on the Michelin guide for people to look her up and be foodie enough to get there. And yeah. Try, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow
0: well we've had josh who told us um in the previous interview it was uh, very funny because he he spoke about um his trip to mongolia oh, wow. and he said that he they went to a, a local uh, village and he was given a uh, horse yogurt and i was very curious about the horse, horse yogurt, yogurt because it was like can you make yogurt from horse milk it was like really Oh my so it's, it's so great to hear all these stories about what people have
1: strange things that people are eating
0: while on holiday. Of
1: course, yogurt sounds a little bit like some kind of word for nightmare. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious too, actually. I remember when I was in China, um, I had a lot of Mongolian barbecue food in, in Beijing. And I really would love to go to Mongolia, Nepal the kind of mountainous countries. Yeah, I'd love love to go to those sorts of regions. That would be amazing. So what would be the weirdest food you ate <laughs> That now now that we're on to food? Um, I'm a bit of a wuss, I think. I think on the one hand, I love food and I love wine and I do like, you know, I'll, I'll be the sort of person who will be broke all month, but will blow a couple of hundred quid on a really nice restaurant and then, you know, <laughs> wear dodgy clothes and eat cereal for another month. But <laughs> when it comes to traveling, I've never been that adventurous person that goes to Thailand and eats barbecued insects and I'm a bit of a wuss and I guess I'm thinking well why would I do that when I could just eat something really amazing um yeah I'm probably not going to be the most experimental guest you have on uh I don't think I mean yeah you know you go to France especially a long time ago where horse was a a thing um and I I did get caught out And, and in Brussels actually once I did end up eating horse without realising it. And I'm going back now to like, I don't know, nineteen ninety four or something when I was on my my first school trip. Cause actually my first trip abroad was actually Brussels. So that's why what- Wow. Oh no, this is sweet. That's why it's really nice to be on started. It's like I've turned a full circle from leaving school, you know. Um <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Uh, Brussels is uh special to me for lots of reasons. But no apart from horse meat in Brussels, I don't think I've particularly eaten anything. Um, I don't have, you know, allergies. I'm not vegan, vegetarian, whatever. Um, so I'm technically able to try all sorts of things and maybe I don't make use of that. <laughs> what's what's your favorite, That this other question I wanted to ask you,
0: what, <laughs> what's your favorite um, uh, means of transport? Ooh. Are you like the kind of person that that loves doing a 12-hour flight because you sleep all, you know, all through it or watch 25 movies or are you more of a train
1: um lover what's your favorite way to to move around well i love the coach and i think my friends would tease me for that because i don't know but in england that's seen as a bit of a sort of like older person's way of traveling um but that's why i like it because you meet nice older people um you don't get any trouble on a coach you tend to get a driver with a nice sense of humor. And I I love that experience. Um, and I don't like getting somewhere too quickly. So I've often taken the coach, especially in the old days. Um, I used to take the coach from Exeter in Southwest UK down to, uh, Dijon very regularly. And that would take, I don't even know how many hours, maybe 18 or something. Um, and that was beautiful because you'd wake up in France with you know all the beautiful landscape and and you had that sort of foreign exchange feel that you had on school trips and then you'd have to get the ferry obviously then we got Eurotunnel. um but yeah i actually probably might be the only guest you get that says they like the coach best <laughs> oh and trains in china <laughs> All oh, right, right. Yeah, but always
0: with the slow, let's say, travel yes. style. Yeah. Yes. I've taken a lot of coaches because they're very cheap. Well, they before the, the pandemic because they were very cheap. So I, I took them for um, let's say an economic reason mainly. Yeah. Yeah, uh, sure. uh yeah. Lots of time. <laughs> I, I think I preferred the train personally, but uh
1: but I I I see your uh, your reasons. So, I think the other reason is coaches. You tend to go city centre to city centre, so it's just a lot more practical. Yeah, that's very practical, and it's it's quite nice arriving in the middle of things because, like for example, Paris, the airport is a forty five minute drive from the t- from the city. And you don't see the best parts of France on the way to Paris. So it it kind of puts a little dampener on things before you arrive. Whereas if you take a a Eurostar or a coach and you get right into the heart of Paris or wherever when you arrive, it's it's just a little bit more magical, I think, arriving in the city centre.
0: Yeah, especially if you're arriving in Paris. I miss Paris so much. It's so near, but it's for the moment a bit too complicated to go there. Um, I wanted to, to, um, to ask you, where can people find you online? I wanted you to, to tell us all your, um, online places from your website to your, your social media.
1: Okay. Well, my website is, uh, uk, and I'm on LinkedIn as Sarah Louise Akril, um. At the moment, that's pretty much it. I'm on Twitter, not not very much. Um, more to communicate with people who have lived experience of autism and ADHD, etc. Um, and to communicate kind of on a on a person to person level. But LinkedIn is definitely where I feel most at home. I think because it's become really inclusive and accessible um, since the pandemic. So the sort sort of feel of LinkedIn has massively changed. Um. Yeah. Okay. Oh, one more question. Do you use apps for travel?
0: Do you use any like um, mobile apps in particular when you're traveling?
1: Okay. Um, I don't because (laughs) this is (laughs) this this would sound like a plug if my app was made, but it's a while off being made. um, So I'll indulge. The reason I'm creating an app, um, and I have a really exciting high-profile investor who I can't name, but who's sufficiently exciting to attract further investment. Um, This is great. I (laughs) like to think so. The reason I'm uh, making that, in all honesty, is I have struggled for decades with travel. It's a big passion. I want autistic people and other neurodivergent people to benefit. And the particular type of support that I envisage and have given as a therapist and see works – doesn't exist at the moment um so my ideal app and actually when I was packing for Sicily the reason I was going to Sicily was to be a resident befriender in a hostel and as I was packing I thought to myself this whole thing needs to be an app because I just reached for my pocket and I just had that instinct to go to my phone because that's what you do now isn't it you go to your phone for everything even stuff you don't want to go to your phone for like your banking or whatever you still go to your phone so I just reached in my pocket and thought oh god I wish there was an app for this I wish I could just have that support now um, as I'm about to take a trip and I'm just feeling myself dissociate from my body and get very weirded out and 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 about to go to an airport, which I know will freak me out and possibly make me ill and and all that sort of thing. So the short answer is that personally that app that I need doesn't exist yet, which is why I'm creating one.
0: This is great. But I, I have another question. What is a resident befriender?
1: <laughs> they don't exist, and this is why I was doing it. Um, so in all my times traveling, um, I thought to myself – It would be amazing if there was someone here who got this and I could go and talk to them before I go on this really scary day trip or before I uh, meet new people or or whatever traveling means um, at that time. And there was never anyone that I could just go to. I found traveling very full. When I think about backpacking after university, for example, I found it very fake. It didn't suit me at all. I love backpacking as an adult, but as a young person, I found it very superficial and it was very much, well, who are you? Where do you come from? Where are you going next? It was the same three questions. And actually my partner, when, when I was in Chile, said to me, God, backpackers only ask three questions. Who are you? Where are you from? Where are you going? And then they walk away and the conversation's over. And There's a really good book by William Boyd called Are You Experienced? I don't know if you've read that. It's a parody of backpacking culture. And I read it and thought, oh my God, someone understands. This is wonderful. But I wanted more depth. And uh, I also think, well, when you're backpacking, it's also a, a, a time where actually people are often trying to get away from something and they're drawn towards something. There's a real carrot and stick element. People always talk about what's drawing them. They never talk about what's Push them away from wherever they come from. Um, apart from just normal curiosity, I'm also aware from training in parts of my therapy life that British girls, uh, there's a big problem in places like Greece and areas of the Mediterranean um, with drinking and uh, you know sexual assault and crimes. And, and I was once trained by someone who'd spent time with the Greek police, specifically supporting English girls. Um, and, and who are having problems. Um, so <clears throat> I tend to see the, the outcasts, the outliers and the weirdos, I guess, <clears throat> when I go traveling or the people struggling or suffering because of my background, because I'm a therapist and because I'm autistic – I I see myself, I suppose, as a bit of an outsider. And I suppose I pick up on other outsiders. And I realize that when people are traveling, there's lots of, you know, what did you do today? What did you try? What was the biggest thing you did? What was the greatest thing you did? But no one talks about the other stuff. And I have a real passion for that. And I just wanted to go to a hostel and be there for people. Um, and just see what happened. And it was a, just a really interesting process.
0: But you were you were um, doing it on on your own research project or you were working with the hostel where you were?
1: I was working with a hostel that partnered with me because they were interested to see where this would take them as well. Um, one of the directors had a background in psychology and I think it just clicked. And one of my dreams, I think, in retirement is to run a backpackers hostel where I can be like this big this big mama that everyone comes to and talks about all the dark stuff and then they go off and do all the fun backpacking stuff. <laughs> I think that's my retirement plan. Oh, cool. This sounds great. I would love to come to your hostel. <laughs> <laughs> I think I see myself as the backpacking therapist, but um, <laughs> but I spent half my time in Sicily doing that and researching that and uh, the other half actually asking myself what would happen if this was an app because an app can reach millions of people who are neurodivergent and, and backpacking or traveling. And actually there are a couple of blogs written by autistic people who do backpack and they've, you know, they do it very successfully. But in my research so far, what I've discovered is that autistic people um, tend to either not travel at all apart from local travel. And there are some great apps for that too. I know Gavin Neat up in Scotland with Neatbox, um, he's got a great company which uh, supports people in their daily uh, travel. Uh, which you know, he's got some fantastic things going on up there. But my idea has always been to support people who want to go on, say, business trips or personal travel, um, holidays with families. Very, very tricky. I said to you, I travel as a loner, but if I had been a mum, and I'm never gone down that path, but there are many autistic mums. And many autistic dads. And I don't know how they cope with the change in environment, um, the the lack of feeling of physical safety in your own body, which you get when you travel and you leave your familiarity. Managing children, managing the fact that they're also finding change difficult and tiredness and all the things you get when you travel anyway managing a relationship I just don't know how people do it and I I really want to be a kind of pressure valve for people because actually after holidays you know divorce rates go through the roof just like after christmas
0: yeah it's kind of like the test you know like after the holiday I really know who I'm with (laughs) so it can go both ways yeah it can be very bad or really good
1: it's true and another thing that concerns me is that I think in the the non-disabled world people tend to think that you're either disabled or you're not you're either ill or you're not you've either got a condition or you haven't but actually there are loads of what used to be called high functioning business people who are neurodivergent and they're pulling it off on their business trip every week maybe with their company and their very senior job but they're completely imploding on holiday um because they can't get off their their tablet or their laptop because that's their feeling of safety and they can't just go and have random fun with the family because that's not what they're good at and they see themselves as the provider and the 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 hard worker who brings home a wage. This could be the mum or the dad, um, but they don't necessarily get the whole what is going on a holiday. Going on holiday is incredibly stressful if you're near a neurodivergent because it's it feels a bit sort of like manufactured fun. And we tend to find things fun that other people don't, like our niche interests, which might bore the pants of someone else, for example. So Going on holidays is a little bit like Christmas. Everyone has an idea of what Christmas is, and if you don't feed into that main idea, you kind of like a bit weird. Yeah. So yeah, it's complex. There there are politics to holidays, and many many people find travel difficult for many reasons. And a lot of people don't realise that you could be the owner of some Silicon Valley. You know, company on these amazing trips and looking very high profile, but actually having meltdowns and, and being close to burnout because you've taken two weeks off with the family. And I want those people to be looked after. I really see those problems. I really care about them. And also travel gives you material to bond with people over. And when you're autistic, you're already quite an isolated person um and a lot of autistic people are sociable in their own way and love people they just sort of want to be behind double glazing i know i do um and so i i really want people to enjoy travel more whether it's business or pleasure and backpacking i think it would be nice if more people went backpacking because you can do it as a as a neurodivergent or you know person um I know that, as I said, the curtains around the bed, that, that's a game changer for me because then I can desensitize. I don't have to have my, my what I call my people Bluetooth switched on because I don't have people trying to interact with me um, if I put that curtain around me. And there are all sorts of little things that can make your trip very comfortable um, Sicily was very comfortable. I worked eight hours a day. I went to the same restaurant every day for amazing food. I went on lovely walks. I met some great people. I made friends with some of the staff there who I'm in contact with, you know, every week now. But what I couldn't do is someone say, right, tomorrow we're going on an excursion, a group of 30 on on a coach, uh, you know, not knowing how far you'll be at any one time from a loo or a bed because you need to just desensitise. Or, you know, if you've taken your weighted blanket on holiday or something, you know, not knowing when you've got your little props with you. um, Being around strangers who could act in any way at any given moment because people are unpredictable.
0: Oh, yes, they definitely It's different. all those things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, Talking about other travellers, do you follow any blogs about travel that you want to mention?
1: I don't have their names to hand, um, but I did enjoy researching the blogs for uh, the autistic people who were backpacking because it's such an unusual thing for an autistic person to really love doing. Especially these people, they've done it for four or five years on the trot. I mean, that's serious travel. Um, Four or five years backpacking without a pause. Wow. Yeah, they made it as a a total lifestyle. I'm just trying to think who I read. I, I mean, as I said, I read a lot of novels set in other countries by by foreign writers. I love watching – we have a documentary maker here, Simon Reeve, who does beautiful documentaries. I don't know how well they are known around the world, but I just love his programs, um, especially – I mean, he did um, Tropic of Cancer, Tropic of Capricorn, and he's, he's done, you know, whole – trips through whole continents and just absolutely beautiful because he always looks at the social side. And I think I've probably given the impression already, but I love to get to the nitty gritty of a culture and see the the reality of it rather than just the destinations that are just for tourists. I find that disarmingly superficial. And I'm just constantly wanting to know the reality and what people's day-to-day life is like. That's why I can't really deal with resorts and the whole Maldives thing. That just wasn't my cup of tea. Look,
0: Sarah, this was super interesting, and and I mean, you've given quite a lot of tips, and um, and your experience in your past travels. You have traveled an awful lot, <laughs> like really, really more than I realized. Actually, saying this,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> we could go on for hours because there's more. So uh, I think you're going to have to come again on the podcast in uh, in like uh, a couple of months to to continue this. Thank you. Thank you so much, and also I'm super curious to know know about your app. So so do do keep us um, updated on this, and as soon as it's uh, uh, you know b- big big um, good luck with uh, with this project.
1: Thank you so much. Well, testing for the app is starting quite soon now, so it's quite exciting. Uh, I have my investor who's making it. He's got a whole stable of similar apps, but in different fields. So found the perfect partner there and uh, all it all it takes now is for me to get some serious feedback from real people who are traveling and who are neurodivergent and to really listen to them and keep tailoring it until it's the service that it needs to be
0: yeah and again best of luck for your for your project for the app thank you for your support and um keep us updated and as soon as it's out we you come back and uh, we talk about it yeah
1: fantastic i really appreciate it thank you so much for having me on and good luck with the rest of the podcast
0: sarah, sarah it was great having you it was really really great having you
1: thank you so much this is such a nice experience thank you thank
0: you fingers crossed <laughs> a big hug Bye-bye. bye 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 This episode was offered to you by DestinationEverywhere.eu, the travel platforms for people of all abilities. Now, we are not taking bookings at the moment due to the pandemic situation, but we can definitely help you if you want to start thinking about and pre-planning your next trip. So if you have any questions about finding an accessible accommodation or um, wheelchair-adapted means of transport in the destination you want to visit or a great guide to take you around, please do get in touch with us. You'll find us on um, destinationeverywhere.eu. In the contacts page, you have all the ways you can get in touch with us. Or you can just drop us a message on on our Instagram or our Facebook um, profiles. We also have a great YouTube channel where you will also find a version of this podcast with subtitles. So, see you soon!